0: Welcome, Pewter Report readers, viewers, and listeners, to a brand new edition of the Pewter Report Podcast. Energized by Celsius, the official energy drink of PewterReport.com and the Pewter Report Podcast. Want to welcome everybody watching the show for this primetime edition. Of the Peter Report podcast. We got a lot to get into. A new free agent signing by Tampa Bay, a couple of coach hirings as well, assistant coaches, I should say. And we're gonna talk about a very interesting topic on tonight's show. Which Bucks players or who on the Bucks must bounce back in 2023? There are a lot of candidates to get to on both sides of the football. So uh some fun conversation tonight. We'll answer some fan questions as well i'm your host matt matera joined with me is my fellow colleague from pewterreport.com ba bailey adams bailey thank you for joining me on the show tonight i'm not gonna ask how you're doing because i know you're doing great because the tampa bay rays which you are wearing an awesome hat right now for those uh, on youtube can check it out at the moment but the rays are undefeated that's pretty damn good man
1: yeah. I'm having a lot of fun right now. Um, you know, we're six games in, I'm ready to hang the banners and surely nothing will go wrong. There's no way. <laughs> it can't go wrong now.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're on pace for 162 and Oh, I mean, shout out Josh Capo. He was uh, the first, I mean, he's been our stats guy for a long time. He was <laughs> uh, the first to, uh, to make that statement. Um, let's get right into it. Bailey. Uh, as Wayne Haskinson says, they just signed a six, three safety. Yeah. That was the big news. From yesterday, uh, you actually wrote up the story, Bailey, because you are so on top of it and so timely. But the Bucks signed a new safety, which is getting absolutely rave reviews by everybody. They signed a former Seattle Seahawks. He played for a couple of teams. This will actually be his fourth team now that he's coming to Tampa Bay. But it is Ryan Neal, who played in Seattle last season, a very versatile free agent, signing a versatile Safety that played both um, at free safety, played in the box as well, and uh, played a little bit in the slot. So, really, the ideal free agent signing that the Bucks could bring in got great reviews on Pro Football Focus. Obviously, Bucks' new offensive coordinator Dave Canales saw him firsthand in Seattle last season, and I don't think it completely fixes the problem or just the lack of safeties on the roster, but it's definitely a huge step in the right direction, Bailey.
1: Yeah, I, I definitely think so. And I think what it does is it gives the Bucks uh, a little more option, uh, a little bit more options to consider throughout the draft. I think, you know, there was been I mean, a lot of, and even myself concluded, there's been a lot of talk about Brian Branch at 19. And that's not to say that it still can't happen. It can't be a thing, but it doesn't have to be a safety. They have so many other needs where this is a guy who can come in and start and, I love this signing a lot. I think he he played really really well with the Seahawks last year. Comes in and fits exactly what the Bucs need. I am getting very very confused about the fact that his name is Ryan Neal and he's replacing <laughs> Keanu Neal and Logan Ryan has a little bit of uh, both of their games kind of mixed into one too. So it's it's very very confusing so far. But no, I think it's huge for the Bucks um, addressing a, a big need and kind of it falls in line with that that value signing mold that they're looking for i know i don't think the numbers have come out yet but he was set to make somewhere around two million um on the restricted free agent tender that the seahawks originally gave him. they ended up withdrawing it opening the door for the bucks and yeah i I think this could not be any more of a home run uh for for what the bucks need right now
0: absolutely i was waiting for who was going to say the the (laughs) logan ryan can o'neill logan ryan thing first and uh you got to it but uh, absolutely and that that was the key in all of this is that Seattle had a restricted free agent tender on him. So the Bucs couldn't automatically sign him if they wanted to. And I actually, in an interesting way, think that really helped out Tampa Bay because it let them focus on Greg Gaines and re-signing Levante David and and re-signing Jamel Dean as well. Those were obviously, at least with Jamel Dean, Levante David, those were bigger fish to fry. And then obviously addressing safety as well. I think it's really important too. He's only 27 years old. Like This isn't exactly like a Logan Ryan and Keanu Neal situation where they're a little bit older, especially Logan Ryan. Um, He's been around the block, so he's used to coming into a new organization and adjusting and playing with the team. He had an 85.6 rating from pro football focus. That was the best among uh, safeties last season, so got an exceptional grade. And this could be a guy that can be a day one starter because he got a lot of playing time and starting experience last year because Jamal Adams got injured in week one and they went with another safety at the time. But then once they implemented him into the lineup, it made a a really big difference. I was trying to pull up his stats before. I believe he had 66 tackles, which was a career high for him, got an interception, had a sack as well and a forced fumble. So just a guy that did, um, a little bit of everything. There was a great write-up as well from Pro Football Focuses, Jonathan uh, Macri. I'll just uh, read that off real quick. Make sure you check out his work at uh, PFF. He said, what is likely the most out-of-nowhere performance of the 2022 NFL season, Neil stepped into a starting role in Week 5 after Jamal Adams' season ended in Week 1 and after Josh Jones, who originally replaced Adams, wasn't up to snuff as an NFL starter in the three games – that preceded Neil taking over from week five on Neil didn't allow a single touchdown and just a 54.3% completion percentage as the primary coverage player on 35 targets he posted a 20% forced incompletion rate that was tied for 10th in the league and surrendered just a 51.3 passer rating when targeted in that time and that was ranked ninth overall so Uh, That led to a second-best coverage grade of 85.7 at the position. So uh, a lot of things to really enjoy there. Because the Seahawks have like a pretty talented safety room in general, he was the guy that, unfortunately for him, didn't make the cut. But I don't want to compare it to a great free agent signing from a couple years ago. But this almost sounds like a guy, I know we got to start this year, but a guy that's moved around to a couple of different teams hasn't really found his right footing, and this could be the spot where, you know, Shaq Barrett didn't get that opportunity, and then he came to the Bucks and obviously blew the roof off the place. I'm not necessarily going to say that for Neil, but this is a great opportunity for him to start. I'll just read off his stats real quick: uh, 66 tackles, four tackles for loss, eight passes defended, and then also that interception sack and forced fumble. Uh, but Bailey, I think this is. Super, super important for the Bucs. I don't know if it was necessarily the next step that needed to be done by the Bucs, but it was definitely a top two or three.
1: Yeah, and, and what's what's always good is is it's not a perfect uh, barometer of everything, but when you look and see a guy leaving another team, if you kind of just check the replies and see some some responses from, from, from some of the fans of that team, and they're really, really upset to lose a player, it's usually yeah. a pretty good sign. And I think there was a lot of that uh, with Seahawks fans. They were not happy to see him go because yeah it just became kind of almost an embarrassment of riches in seattle they had um you know quandre Diggs, jamal adams they just signed julian love um and so it kind of became a thing where they need some cap space it frees up a little bit of cap space for them and he was just the odd man out and it was the perfect scenario for the bucks uh
0: one last bit of stats when it comes to neil he played uh 362 snaps in the box 236 at free safety and 118 in the slot. So you talk about the versatility. No one loves versatility more than Todd Bowles. Very excited about this signing because there's been a couple of years past where they would bring in a a veteran safety. I remember there was a guy from the Packers. Uh, I believe his name was Raven something, Uh, but he ended up not making the team. And it's one of those, okay, like he he has experience and maybe – Maybe he can do something, but this actually feels like he's going to be a contributor for Tampa Bay's defense, as Mel Reyes says. He's really, really good. Defense definitely got better. Bailey, I'll ask you, though, in terms of filling out the safety room, does this perturb the Bucs from the game plan, which I believe is offensive tackle, edge rusher, and safety in the mix? Would that stop you from drafting a safety, let's just say? in the first or second round or is it the, the same path because you still need to find that nickel corner or maybe just another strong safety. If you want to move, if you want to move Neil around.
1: Yeah. There are a couple ways they could go with it because when you think about it, yeah, Neil's in here on a one year deal. So you don't know there's, there's nothing guaranteed beyond this year. So that's already kind of a, a sign that no, we don't necessarily like count that as we don't need a safety early on. You um, kind of plan for the future at the same time. But I think, When you look at the type of safety they may draft in the first round, in the second round, maybe the third round, it has to be someone with that versatility. I think it would be anyway, just because that's what Todd Bowles loves in in a player, in a defensive player. But like when you look at maybe Brian Branch, you say he can play in the slot. So you're going to have Neal, you're going to have Winfield back at safety. You're going to have Branch probably primarily playing in the slot, and he can play safety as well. Same thing with some of the other guys. I know Quan Martin's a name that um, has been really popular lately for a day two guy that the Bucs could be. Uh, interested in. So I think that's the kind of thing that you're going to have to look at is you still need a starting slot defender, somebody that can play safety, somebody that can kind of do it all like, you know, a guy like Neil, but um, you know, you only have Neil and Winfield in the room other than Nolan Turner, who was a undrafted free agent last year. So yeah, they need to fill out that room and getting a young guy, a young versatile guy in there. And day one, I I think right now I lean more toward a day two need. Yeah. Um, just depending on how the board shapes up, I think, and how how the draft falls for them. But, you know, I, I don't think there's any reason to say, no, the safety is not going to be a need on day one or two these days.
0: I think it helps pinpoint the Bucs narrowing it down to either an edge rusher they're in love with, and I'd recommend for everybody to go back to yesterday's show where Scott and I uh, identified and spoke about a lot of the top pass rushing prospects that the Bucs might be interested in the first two rounds. Or, of course, if there's an offensive tackle on the board that the Bucs are absolutely infatuated with. I think the other exciting part, Bailey, and you hit the nail on the head, there's another safety in the room. It's not just Anton Winfield Jr. and Nolan Turner anymore. I mean, at some point, you had to bring someone in, and by process of elimination, someone was going to get that call. They can only draft so many safeties. So it's not just bringing in another body. It's, uh, it's a lot more than that for the Buccaneers. So uh, very intriguing to see what he can do in a Todd Bowles style defense. Neil will actually be talking tomorrow at the Advent health training center at the Bucks facility at 11 AM. So stay tuned to PeterReport.com for all of that coverage. We'll have uh photo video put up some of the, the best of things that he said. We'll see uh, what interests him about playing for the Bucks and why he came to Tampa Bay. So uh, we'll spend a little bit of that on tomorrow's podcast with some videos from Ryan Neal after we get the opportunity to talk to him. The other little bit of news, there were a couple of top 30 visits and Bailey will maybe we'll let you expand on that later. Cause there was a specific running back that you seem to be a big fan of. We could talk about that in a little bit, but the bucks also added to their coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball. So they hired David Rye to be their offensive analyst, and then uh, Jordan... Yes, David Rye, sorry, to be their offensive analyst, and Jordan Somerville to be the assistant quarterbacks coach to work with um, Thad Lewis, the new quarterbacks coach. So, Rye is uh, an interesting one. As you see in this picture, he used to work for the Arizona Cardinals... Uh, got to work with Larry Fitzgerald. He spent uh, a long time there. He spent seven years in the NFL as a wide receivers coach for the Cardinals and had a variety of roles with the Green Bay Packers. Um, he got to coach Larry Fitzgerald. He got to coach DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Devontae Adams as well. So a lot of big names there. I'm sure uh, Mike Evans and Chris Godwin will be happy uh, about that. And then he spent a lot of time at the college level with um, with Vanderbilt. So, definitely a lot of coaching experience. He began his career as a coaching intern at UCLA. So, um, a lot of connections there. Somerville joins the Bucs from the University of Oregon. He was there last season as an offensive analyst for an offense that ranks 6th among Power 5 programs in uh, scrimmage yards and 10th in points per game. He actually worked alongside Bo Nix, which could come into play um, if the Bucks are looking for a quarterback next year. Uh, he also worked as a running backs coach and recruiting coordinator at the University of New Mexico for a couple of seasons. So a couple of new coaching hires. Pretty nice. I mean, I'm not crazy familiar with either of them. I mean, will say. David Rye looks a lot like John Gruden. That was one of my the biggest hair. takeaways. Yeah, the
1: hair and the visor. It's just yeah. the way, yeah, the way that goes. Yeah, I, I kind of got that feeling. Saw a picture of him earlier, and I was like, at a, at a quick glance, I was like, John Gruden? No, not John Gruden, <laughs> but similar, similar hair.
0: Yeah. So a uh, couple new coaches in the mix. Obviously, they want to bring in change. That's why Dave Canales is the new offensive coordinator. We'll find out. Uh, what they have in store for Tampa Bay, Bailey. Before we start talking about the coaches or sorry, the players that uh, need to bounce back in in twenty twenty three, there was a specific top thirty visit that you were a big fan of. Please tell the Peter people about uh, Roshan Johnson.
1: Yeah, so Roshan Johnson coming in on a on a top thirty visit with the Bucks today. Obviously, everybody knows Bijan Robinson the yeah. the star running back probably you know obviously the number one guy in the draft he's been mocked to the bucks a little bit but from what we've gathered you know that bucks didn't meet with him at the combine i don't know that you know he's going to be the pick at 19 which was where he would be need to be picked another one that that intrigued me or the guy that intrigued me from texas is roshan johnson who's stuck behind B. John robinson but still really really consistent really really good power back uh, i think he averaged over his four years, it was like 5.8, 5.2, 5.9, and 6.0 yards per carry. Um, really just a bruising guy, you know, kind of a similar build. I know he's listed at 6'2". I think at the Combine, he was more like six foot. He's around 220, which uh, is kind of where Rashad White is right now, uh, according to according to him. It's what he told uh, Scott Reynolds of Pewter Report, of course, our boss, and the man that runs the place. Um, but, yeah, so he, he does have a similar build to Rashad White, but it is a – um, a really, really interesting one because Roshan Johnson is a bruiser. You know, he, he – I think he had a 54% or 45% um, missed tackle rate forced in the last two years, which was like the best among uh, college running backs with a minimum of 190 carries or something like that. Um, just a, a tackle breaker, a tough, tough guy to bring down. I think he'd add a really, really nice element uh, to the Bucks running backs room, the Bucks backfield the only thing that, you know, you kind of wonder about is he's kind of getting a fourth round grade, somewhere falling in the 120s. The Bucks don't have a fourth round pick. So it'll just be interesting to see how that kind of falls for them. And um, definitely something somebody actually wrote about uh, today for PeterReport.com and you dove into a little bit of the character side of him. And the Bucks love high character guys, love leaders and captains and um, you know, rave reviews for Roshan Johnson about the type of player, type of teammate he is, because as I think Steve Sarkeesian, the head coach at Texas, said, he could have been a starting running back somewhere else, but he stuck around, and you know, really, really didn't. He, didn't, he said he didn't count his carries; he made his carries count, um, and really just spoke very highly of the type of player and the type of person he is. So, an interesting one to me. I, I think he would be someone I'd love to see end up with the Bucks.
0: Yeah, there is no question that the the Bucks look for high character players. They absolutely love drafting. You know, uh, really, any player that was a captain of the team that they that they played for in college, and I, I think it's important to notice that that Texas, while Bijan Robinson, without question, was the guy, um, they they rotated their running backs a, a fair amount. Robinson was the de facto RB one, but that that didn't stop Texas from um, from moving to different running backs throughout the game. So he definitely still got enough playing time. There's still enough tape of him and who knows, there could be another running back that gets drafted by Tampa Bay in a late round. We'll see if he's the guy.
1: Yeah, it'll be interesting. I know there's, it's always kind of intriguing to watch and see how the running back, you know, class ends up shaping up because you kind of get your early guys and then by the second or third round, you're having, um, you're having, different guys just, come up where it's just based on what a team likes or like who who a team likes. It's not really always a linear thing like this is the rankings and this is the way it's going to go. It's Teams start to grab the players they like. So he could go earlier than the fourth round. Maybe he'll stick around even later. It, it'll be interesting to see how that, that shapes up.
0: Bucks had a, another top 30 visit as well. That was with a, a quarterback that's projected to really be a, a day three type of guy. That's Clayton Toon out of Houston. Uh, Ian Rappaport was the one that reported that. Uh, Toon started uh, three years and was a captain. So, again, goes with the theme that uh, Tampa Bay had. Uh, he threw just under 12,000 passing yards, threw uh, 104 touchdowns to 41 interceptions. Uh, that was from 2018 to 22, 2022. Of course, he was teammates with Logan Hall, so um, a little familiarity there he completed 67.3% of his passes for 4,074 yards and 40 touchdowns to uh, 10 interceptions this past year and uh, also rushed for 546 yards. So, yeah, I mean, the Bucs do have to find QB three. Um, it could be a a rookie, someone that they draft or even an undrafted free agent that they bring in. Or it could be Ryan Griffin, for all we know. Um. <laughs> They also could go the veteran route. So Bailey, I'll ask you: Would you go with a veteran for QB three, or would you go with a um, would you go with like someone like Tune, or just someone in the draft that you can kind of mold and fit your offense?
1: I'd probably lean toward a veteran, you know, a cheap veteran who's kind of been there, done that. Um, Not necessarily. I don't know. I I get a weird feeling about drafting a quarterback, especially, you know, before day three this year, because you have Kyle Trask and you want to give him a chance to compete with Baker Mayfield. I don't think you really want to turn it into a three man quarterback competition. And I think the higher you draft a quarterback this year, the less faith it shows in Kyle Trask. Um, And I think they do like Kyle Trask and I think they want to give him a shot. So if it's Tune, I guess Tune, if it's a fifth or sixth round, Type of deal. I I wouldn't mind that. Um, But I would probably lean more toward a a veteran to see, you know, what they have in Trask, see if he can beat out Baker. And and if Baker wins the job, then, you know, you see what happens with Trask next year. But then maybe next year you're looking to draft a quarterback because Baker's in here on a one year deal. Looks like we lost Matt here. Looks like we lost Matt. So we'll talk a little bit more about Clayton Toon. Clayton Toon's a guy who um, really, really, you know, interesting career at, at Houston. He was a I believe it was a three three year captain, um, started for uh, I think four of the years or at least parts of four of the years for Houston. Um, Had the the luxury of throwing to Tank Dell, Tank Dell, the number one leading receiver in all of college football last year. Just I think he had seventeen touchdowns and on fifteen hundred yards. And I know I'm I'm looking really weird here with these two screens. It's for anyone in the chat pointing that out. Uh, Wait until Matt gets back here, but um yeah i think it's it's one of those interesting things where the bucks have talked a little bit more there's matt there he is the bucks have talked a little bit um with clayton toon i know everybody uh, meets with everybody at the senior bowl and in in the combine they then met informally with clayton toon um so it's an interesting one I, I had a chance actually just weird the way it worked out when we were in both mobile and indianapolis i was uh the one who ended up going and talking to Clayton Tune. Uh, and the first time we talked to him was in Mobile, and it was on the day that Tom Brady retired. So I had a chance to ask him about Tom Brady and you know, his familiarity, obviously, with his game. He had a lot to say there. Um, and then in Indianapolis, talked a little bit about um, what it would be like to play with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin um, after he did meet informally with the Bucks, So uh, you can check that article out on pewterreport.com. Wrote about that yesterday. Uh, actually dropped today, so. Um, Check that out and check out the Roshan Johnson story. And I believe we have Matt back here.
0: Yes, I am back. Apologies for the uh, technical difficulties, but Bailey handled it swimmingly. So appreciate (laughs) you jumping in there for me, Bailey. Uh, While my technology and my Wi-Fi was being difficult, one thing that is never difficult is having a Celsius energy drink. Of course, the official energy drink of pewterreport.com and the Peter Report Podcast. So many awesome different flavors. They have some new ones. The Fantasy Vibe, which has some marshmallow in it. It's like drinking a creamsicle. You got the sparkling lemon lime as well. Can't forget about the vibes. The vibes are always high on this show. Arctic Vibe is one of my favorites in the Celsius collection. Can't go wrong with the peach or tropical vibe as well. And it'd be remiss if I didn't mention the sparkling watermelon, original orange, Wildberry, kiwi guava, peach mango, uh, the cucumber, lime, strawberry, lemonade, I've been high on as well. So uh, if you enjoy Celsius, punch in your store location. So sorry, punch in your location on the store locator on the Celsius website, and it will direct you where you can find one at your nearest 7 Eleven convenience store or bodega. And then if you want to get it in bulk, get that variety pack because variety is the spice of life. Go to Amazon, click on the subscribe and save and have it sent to your house or apartment every week, month, quarterly, yearly. Just make sure you're drinking Celsius Energy Drinks, the official sponsor of the Pewter Report podcast. Okay, Bailey, let's get into today's topic, which is who are the bucks that need to bounce back for the 2023 season? You had a great article on pewterreport.com. That really addressed this topic. So uh, we'll get into the guys that you wrote about. Um, I added one more as well, which isn't necessarily as much of a bounce back as just taking the next step forward. But uh, we'll kind of pick up where we left off on yesterday's show. We talked a lot about edge rushers. And I, I don't think there's any question that two guys that really need to bounce back, in particular Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon Shainka. Bailey, with Shaq, I think it all comes down to his Achilles. I mean, he wasn't really crushing it before the Achilles injury. But in a weird way, because he was playing so well in that Ravens game, he was getting after Lamar Jackson. The entire defense was firing on all cylinders in that first half. In a weird way, I think because he was playing so well on that Thursday night football game before he got injured, that it made people forget about the struggles that he had yeah. last year. And then Joe Tryon, Sheminka, we talked a lot about it on the show and in previous episodes as well. Close, but no cigar. So just curious to get your thoughts on, uh, on both of those guys.
1: Yeah. With Shaq, I think it is twofold. I think he needs to bounce back from, you know, the level of play that he did have early, like early on last year. I think he had a really good game in the opener against Dallas. Um, and kind of dropped off. Wasn't as productive after that. Um, there you see, I think that's where Zach Prescott you know fractured or messed up his yeah. finger. On that, you were on there live for it. I was, yeah. Um so he had he had a good game there, kind of, you know, disappeared a little bit early later on in, in the next couple of games. Um and then he did. He resurfaced in that Baltimore game and played really well, but yeah, not not the best Shaq Barrett we've seen. And then of course the, the other thing he has to bounce back from itself is the injury. Uh you know, Achilles injury I think at this point and this day and age is almost tougher to come back from than an ACL. You see guys coming back from ACLs all the time. And the Achilles is one that, you know, maybe some guys don't ever return fully to form. Uh, you know, especially with Shaq being 30. I know Todd Bowles had the the quote at the combine about, oh, 30's not old, Tom Brady to play until he was 45. But Tom Brady yeah. is an alien. And yeah. Uh, yeah, there's there's I don't think that's necessarily the rule these days, especially at a different position like uh edge rusher. But would love to see Shaq come back. I think the Bucks are are hopeful that he will. I think they might. You know, give themselves a little bit of uh, insurance in, in the draft and kind of get a young guy in there. Um, and then another guy they're probably, you know, really, really counting on this year is JTS, as you mentioned. Um, I didn't include JTS in my article because I was kind of going with a bounce back to like where, where they were previously. And I don't really think that he has anywhere to bounce back to. He just hasn't right. really gotten yeah. there yet. Yeah, that's um, fair. He hasn't gotten there yet. And I think this is a year where he really, it's a make or break season for him. I know they don't want to you know put that on him and say it really is say it is publicly but i think it is for him it's it's year 3 um really has to just take a step up cuz i think we've seen the flashes and we've seen some good things from him but he just isn't he isn't finishing sacks he's he's missing more than he's making and you know there's there's times where he's really really great setting the edge other times where he's kind of just out of the play and yeah it, it's been a little frustrating with JTS cuz i think there's there's a player in there it's just he's not um to where the bucks need him to be yet
0: yeah, we're being a little vague with the term. We're saying bounce back, but a couple of these guys on the list are more taking the next step forward, really. Um, I'm curious to get your thoughts, Bailey, because I, I've been saying this for the past couple of weeks, and I don't know if you remember, but Todd Bowles had this, this this comment about that the outside linebackers have to play better. They need more production from there. He pretty much said Vita Vea shouldn't be leading the team in sacks. <laughs> like he did. And then they brought back Anthony Nelson. And I get that Shaq is under contract and and JTS is on a rookie deal, so they wouldn't let him go, nor do I think that they should. But bringing Anthony Nelson back, aren't you pretty much just going to get the same production? Like, unless they decide to draft an outside linebacker in the first round, I don't really foresee the outside linebacker being anything more than, like, edge rusher number four just based on yeah. just based on where the rest of the room lies but if you didn't like the production of the outside linebacker room why do you have like the same group intact
1: i think they're they really must just be banking on having these guys well with one with shaq hoping he comes back from injury and and being shaq barrett again and the other one is they need jts to take the next i think they're really just based on the state of the roster they don't feel like probably they could fully, fully upgrade at the position, try to run it back with what they have, maybe add one in the draft um, and, and hope they get some more production from them, hope they get guys to step up and then maybe revamp it next year, next offseason when there is a little more cap space and a little bit more room to work as far as you know, a fewer needs they need to address. Because, yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I think it's it's hard to say right now, like, yeah, that group's going to be – you know, much better or, or even better at all than it was last year, because it is, it's the same group. I know another guy they have is Cam Gill who will be needing to bounce back from his own injury, but he's, he's a guy who they were hopeful that he would step up, you know, after or in, in the preseason and then the injury was unfortunate, really bad timing, but you know, we, you don't really know anything about this Bucks pass rush yeah. right now <laughs> from the outside linebackers, because it's all question marks. And then anything, you know, what you're going to get from Anthony Nelson. I think you've got a solid rotational guy there. Um, not the splashiest player but I think someone just mentioned he does the dirty work he does, he does. he's he's got he's got that side to him where I think he, he definitely brings value I know there's you know back and forth on the contract they gave him but I, it's weird it, not weird but it's it's interesting to find out what they are expecting from this group because it is it's the same group
0: I just feel with Anthony Nelson that he's kind of reached his ceiling. Yeah. And we've got to give him credit. He led the outside linebackers in sacks last year, and he led the team in forced fumbles. So Anthony Nelson was the best edge rusher that they had last year. That's so an, if that's an did,
1: indictment on the team, I think. On the yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. It's a little bit more of an indictment on the defense than it is the exceptional play of Anthony Nelson. So, yeah, I mean, all eyes will be on Shaq coming back from that injury. How do you feel after the first practice? How do you feel after a week? What was it like getting back in a game? Um, those are a lot of things that you'll see um, during training camp preseason and even the regular season with Shaq and JTS. Honestly, I don't care what he does in training camp. I don't even care what he does in the free season. We know he's a freak of nature. We know he's quick. I'm sure he's going to win a lot of battles in training camp against offensive tackles if he goes up against a backup. He should. He was their first-round pick, you know? Um, it's For me, it's all about what JTS does in the— in the regular season. Now, if he has a slow training camp, I'm not going to freak out about that either. My Mets are three and four. I'm not freaking out about <laughs> that. There's a long way to go. I, There are a lot more things to look at in training camp, camp more than how is JTS doing. JTS, it's all about what he will do in the regular season. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball. Uh, also, on the line of scrimmage, a little more interior though. Two guys that are, one's in a similar situation with Shaq Barrett in terms of recovering from injury. The other one's in a similar situation of Joe Tryonshenka as being a young player that um, is trying to figure it out in this league. And that, of course, we are talking about Ryan Jensen and Luke Edickey. We all know the story with Ryan Jensen. He got injured on Was it the first or the second day of the second day? Second day of training camp was out for the whole year, was able to return for the playoff game against the the Dallas Cowboys, where unfortunately the Bucs lost. Luke Gedeke got the start at uh, left guard to begin the year. He got beat like a drum he got injured, they put in Nick Leverett, then Getticke was kind of healthy, and they did this weird subbing in, subbing out type of thing. I think it kind of affected his confidence. But Luke Getticke ended on a high note, but not playing guard, playing right tackle. And so that's the big question of where is Luke Getticke going to play this season? And with Ryan Jensen, it's all about are you fully recovered? Because he didn't look great in that Playoff game, but I also think you know this year completely different situation. He's going to have the whole offseason and train camp to be ready, and then it's going to be all systems go. Bale, your thoughts about those two players?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'll start with Jensen because I feel like I have less to say about him. It it, that whole playoff game kind of was a wash to me. The fact that he even got back on the field after missing all, all year and you know having that injury that he had, not even having surgery, um, you know, I think that you know how he looked in that game doesn't really worry me. I think it's more about Right, fully recover this offseason, get back at it. And it, it's. And I, was, I saw someone in the comments uh, earlier saying that, you know, they, they were kind of defending, or not. I don't know about defending, but questioning Ryan Jensen being a bounce-back candidate. It really is. It's just a case of bouncing back from his injury because yeah. he missed the whole year, and we know that he can be an elite center, but can he still be an elite center after a year, almost a full year off? Um, and, you know, he's getting up there in age himself. So, you know, there, there are some questions there, but I think one of the more reliable guys you have on that offensive line Gedicki the bigger question because, yeah, he needs to bounce back from what really was. It was just a rough rookie season. You know, the first taste of action he got in, the, in that early part of the season was against some really, really tough defensive tackles, some tough interior guys. that yeah. it was just a day, welcome to the NFL kind of thing for him, and he never really, <clears throat> never really got going. He had the the foot injury, and then Nick Leverett had been playing well enough to where they could not justify putting Gedicki back in. Um, but yeah, as you mentioned, you know, he played really well at right tackle uh, in week 18 against the Falcons. I know he moved back to guard and played well against the Cowboys in um, in the playoffs. But the good thing, I think, for Gedeke is that he's going to get a chance to bounce back. It's like his confidence might have been shaken a little bit by the way the early season went then the injury. Uh, they're not getting his, his job back. But he's going to have a shot with the state of this offensive line right now because whether it's at guard or whether it's at right tackle, he's probably going to play somewhere. I know Scott wrote about that uh, recently on pewterreport.com because they are. They, they're trying to piece together this thing. They, they released Donovan Smith. They traded Shaq Mason. So they have some openings, whether they move Tristan to left tackle, maybe open up a, tr- a chance for uh, Gedeki to start at right tackle for that job or you know one of the guard positions, potentially the right side, because I know he played right tackle in college, maybe playing on the right side yeah. will be better for him. Um at guard, but he's gonna get a shot and he's he's gonna be able to have a chance to bounce back from what was yeah, just an all-around tough year for him.
0: I like this comment as well by Thomas Foolery saying Stinney talking about Aaron Stinney needs to get back to the 2020 form as well. Of course, Aaron Stinney took over for the injured Alex Kappa during the Super Bowl run and uh was the starter for yeah. the, the whole playoffs and and the Super Bowl. As well, and that kind of leads me to my point with Luke Gedicke. I like the depth that the Bucks have at interior offensive line, even without Luke because you're talking about Leverett, Robert Haynesy now doesn't have to play center, and you move Aaron Sinney into the mix. You already have three guys battling for two spots. So if you want to throw Gedicke in there, you're just adding extreme depth. And I know Gedicke had a lot of issues last year, but you're at least adding a lot of depth to interior offensive line i like the idea of moving get a key to right tackle but not to be a starter i still think mm-hmm. the bucks should find their starting offensive tackle probably with the first round pick that they have at 19 find your starter there or you know maybe another veteran in free agency but let get a key be like your top backup offensive tackle, or even that swing offensive tackle. Cause he's already moved to a couple of different yeah. spots. He did that a little bit towards the end of the year as well. And let's remember no pun intended because of this guy's last name, Josh Wells is no longer with the bucks. He was going to be injured anyway, but he signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars, So they need that swing tackle. And I think maybe Lou could be the guy for, um, for that opportunity, because and we'll see what Dave Canales' offense, we don't know how much they're going to use that swing tackle yeah. if Cole Keith can be that guy. Um, But yeah, that's important. Al Bundy said as well, Gedicki really just looks like a backup depth to me. That's why we really need to draft a right tackle. Yeah, uh, w- what would you do? Would you play him at guard or would you play him at tackle? Like if you're the coach, if you're Todd Bowles or Dave Canales, where where are you putting him?
1: Ideally, I'd draft a tackle, whether it's left or right, um, you know, figure out if it's a right, obviously uh, you're going to move Tristan Worf's the left tackle. But if it's a left tackle, then you can keep Tristan to right tackle. I think the idea of having Gedeke compete for that right guard spot, that intrigues me just because last year, and I know Scott has mentioned and Scott wrote about it, was him moving from the Mac to the NFL, from yes. tackle to guard from the right side to the left like side. So that's a lot. Too. Yeah, that is a lot to adjust to. Um, And so maybe, you know, it it gets all messed up with the footwork. And if, if he's comfortable on that right side, playing right guard, I'd probably give him a shot there and then figure out the tackle uh, position through the draft.
0: A couple other guys that were on your list that I also um, agree with. I didn't really mean for this to like go in bunches, but it's kind of worked out that way with the positions in general. We're talking about the greatest offensive player in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history, wide receiver, Mike Evans, and a newer Tampa Bay Buccaneer wide receiver who's going into his second year with Tampa Bay, Russell gauge Bailey. You can start just your overall thoughts about uh, Mike and Russell gauge. Who are you more paying attention to slash not as concerned about? Um, Where do you stand with these two wide receivers?
1: Definitely not as concerned about Mike Evans. Uh, Mike Evans was one that he had, he still had his thousand yards last year. It was just a touchdown production that dropped off. And that was kind of, I think it was less of a Mike Evans thing and more of a Buccaneers offense thing. Um, you know, just overall the the production and the lack of scoring. Um, so it was it was bound to happen. It was kind of just a ripple effect with him. I think he dropped. The, he dropped. Had some couple, a couple of bad drops, but overall not concerned about Mike Evans. But just would like to see him bounce back and kind of return to that eight to ten to twelve touchdown range that he typically lives in year by year. Um, of course, that all depends on the quarterback position and how this new look offense goes. But Russell Gage is the big one. He's the big bounce back. I think almost you could argue that he's maybe the one on this list who needs the biggest bounce back because the Bucks paid him handsomely last offseason. He's pay, he's taken a pay cut to stay here this year, has some incentives to reach. And he yeah. just he never really got going last year. He looked really, really good. I mean, if you go back to last uh, training camp, I almost said spring training. We're in baseball mode. <laughs> uh, last, last training camp. You talk to some of these, uh, some of the guys. You talk to Carlton Davis. Some of the different corners and defensive backs. we talk to who's the toughest guy to cover out here? And a lot of them were talking about Russell Gage, saying he's he's slippery. He's he's tough. He gets the separation. And then that hamstring injury happened in the preseason, and he just never really recovered. He couldn't get the separation. His yards per catch average dropped, you know, massively, and didn't really ever get off the ground. I know he had five touchdowns and ended up as I think the the number two touchdown uh, leader in terms of receiving touchdowns behind Mike Evans who had six, but gauge, I think to be the box number three receiver to earn those incentives to kind of pay off and, and rebound from his first real like injury plague season. Yeah. He, he's really got to have a, a bounce back in 2023.
0: And remember he got like carted off the field in that playoff game late. uh yeah. late In the game, which was a scary, yeah. very, very scary <clears throat> situation. As far as it goes with Mike Evans, I, I agree with you. I am like the least bit concerned. I know Mike was on Instagram a couple months ago or a month or two ago where he's like, just wait till you see what I have in store for this season. I'm not even as concerned about playing with a different quarterback because let's remember Mike's consecutive thousand yard streak. He did it with Josh McCown. Um, He did it with Mike Lennon, Jameis Winston and Tom Brady. So whether it's Baker or Kyle Trask, that doesn't really concern me with Mike Evans. I just think it was a down year, which, as you said, still got a 1,000 yards, still was a big playmaker for the team, still fights hard for the team. I mean, he literally got suspended for a game sticking up (laughs) for two of his teammates. So I think Mike's going to be locked in. I think there's even more motivation. We talked a lot about chips on the shoulders of players for a variety of reasons, I think without question, Mike's going to be even more motivated this year. And that's why the microscope's going to be under Russell Gage for this year. I don't want to say I'm concerned about the injuries because he's had a great track record. But what about the fact that now that he just got hurt, does he become a guy that it, he consistently starts breaking down now? Or is it a – it really was like just a one-off, uh, a, a flyer type of – uh situation where just it was a fluke and 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 he got hurt i want to see how much he can regain that speed and we've talked about the hamstring injury a ton so i I think we're kind of beating a dead horse at this point but can he regain that form and to your point with the incentives and the contracts and, and everything else in between everyone else on this list Shaq already made his money jts is a rookie still or on a rookie deal i should say jensen made his money get a key on a rookie contract mike greatest player in team history the other two guys well one of the the next guy we talk about um is looking for that that second big contract but yeah russell gage has a lot to lose because if he does if he underwhelms again and i go back to what jason light said at the Uh, at the nfl combine he was asked straight up i believe scott actually scott runs computerboard.com for those who don't know who i'm talking about i'm pretty sure scott straight up to his face was like did you get enough bang for your buck with russell gage and jason jason light said you know the injury i'm paraphrasing the injury caused a lot of things we'll see how he does this year but no he didn't get the bang for the buck that we were looking for with um with Russell Gage. And I think that goes into the the Bucks brass talking about how much more faster they want to get. They want to increase their speed. And I don't think that's just on one side of the ball. I think they want to do it on offense as well. So definitely a huge year for Russell Gage. Uh, He needs to have a good one because he definitely could be out the door. If uh, his season is not up to snuff in Tampa Bay, he's, Kind of looking to revitalize his wide receiver prowess. Uh, Maybe another word to really say that would be rejuvenate his career. So uh, let's hear a message from our pals at Age Rejuvenation.
1: As we age, our hormones decrease, both for men and women.
0: I was tired all the time. had no sex drive. I was groggy. I felt like I was 80 years old because everything hurt. I came to Age Rejuvenation because... I was tired all the time. Bioidentical hormones has really made such an impact in people's lives. I actually enjoy shopping now. I've got my, all my energy back. Mind is sharp. I feel like I'm 18 again. It was perfect for me. Get with age rejuvenation, do it now. Don't wait.
1: Call age rejuvenation today.
0: Look better, feel better, have better sex using age rejuvenation. As you see on the screen there for those watching on YouTube, John Gilmore, a former Buccaneer, big part of the uh, Pewter Game Day show as well. That's a current day picture of him. That's not him when he was playing. He looks absolutely jacked in great shape. He talks a ton about how much it's helped him. Pewter Report Zone, Scott Reynolds has mentioned that Scott himself feels younger. He's lost weight from it, he's not taking naps anymore. So go to agerejuvenation.com, see how it can help you. They got testosterone therapy. Peptide therapy and stem cell therapy as well. Agerejuvenation.com can show you all the information that you need. Okay, Bailey, uh, this next guy, very, very polarizing. Maybe the most polarizing figure on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is inside linebacker, number 45, Get Live 45, Devin White. Also has a great song, uh, Get Live Stables. Yeah, Trail (laughs) Ride. We have the Trail Ride. Um. A lot of us know the story now, for those that don't know. um, Devin was an ascending player. Loved the speed, loved the aggressiveness. He's obviously a team leader. He's been a captain for multiple seasons. A big part of why the Bucs won the Super Bowl in 2020. He had the interception at the end that kept the Chiefs from even scoring a touchdown and won me two straight Super Bowl boxes because I had the one and the nine in the third quarter. No one scored in the fourth quarter. We'll always be thankful for Devin White for that. (laughs) Um, The last two years, though, especially last season, a bit of a different story. Struggled shedding off of blocks. Up and down with his uh, overall pass coverage. Went through some personal turmoil as well. His father, unfortunately, passed away. I think towards the end of the season, he started to pick it back up again. But this really sets the table. And we'll see if he'll be the head of the table. um, For a... (laughs) Drama-filled season just in terms of Devin White wants that big second contract. And the Bucks aren't sure yet if he is deserving of that second contract. And I don't really know either. This is truly a make-or-break year for Devin White if he wants to be back in Tampa Bay. I think teams will still love Devin because they don't see the play-by-play, game-by-game type of uh, things that we've seen with Devin White. I'm not saying his career is done after this year, but if he wants that big payday the get live 45 type of payday that he thinks he should get, I think it's all or nothing for this season.
1: Yeah, I think so. I I think that everybody knows the story with Devin white is the tools are there, the the speed, the athleticism, you know, he, he makes plays. Todd bull said he makes plays that he hasn't seen linebackers make or makes tackles. He hasn't seen him make in 30 years, but he does. He misses, he misses tackles. He misses assignments. It just isn't all there for him all the time, and it needs to be. I, I think, like you mentioned, the Bucks probably aren't sure. I know Todd Bowles really, really likes Devin, Wright, Devin, Devin White. Devin loves, you know, what he brings to the table, but you can't. I, I don't know that you can justify giving him right as of right now. If this if they're to make this decision right now, you can't justify giving him that type of contract right. just based off of you know the the skill or the, the speed and the athleticism that kind of stuff. They need it to be needed to all translate into consistency, consistent play, needs those splash plays, but can't have those splash plays at the expense of, you know, missing assignments on other plays and stuff like that. So, you know, I, I think you saw toward the end of last year, he started playing within himself a little bit more. I think you saw a little bit more of that consistency, but you did sort of see a little bit of drop-off in those splash plays. So there has to be a happy medium somewhere. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is a big one for him because it, it's, it's so interesting, and I guess this is part of the reason he's so polarizing is – Numbers wise and I guess accolades wise, like he's he can looked at as this, you know, really, really good linebacker, one of the best in the league. He's a pro bowler in 2021. Whether he, you know, really deserved that honor or not is debated a lot. Um, and then this yeah. past year, <laughs> this past year again, put up some numbers, but wasn't, you know, wasn't as consistent, wasn't as reliable as the Bucks He especially had that rough stretch in the middle of the season where he had a couple really, really bad games in a row um and i I know there was there was a lot of talk about him around then and it is it's just one of those things where it it, it, like you mentioned with jts you know it doesn't matter what he does in in training camp in the preseason for me it's like Devin white doesn't matter what he does in week one because if he has a really really good game in week one that's still not going to prove it to me i need to see it in week two and week three and week four um so yeah it's it's a big year for him and we'll see we'll see what happens because it is one of those Really interesting threads because you you know his goal, and obviously it's all the team goals and everything, but you know his goal is that big contract. He has to take the right steps to get there. And it's one of those threads throughout the season that we'll kind of really get an answer for.
0: Wayne Hackinson says trade Devin White during the draft. He had another comment that said draft white's replacement. So there's actually a story recently on CBS Sports where they had a list of it was about 14 candidates of, of players that Uh, could potentially be traded before the draft or during the draft. If you guys remember last year in the first round, A.J. Brown got traded from the Titans to the Eagles, which was a great trade for the Eagles. And um, the Cardinals got Hollywood Brown. So two wide receivers with the last name Brown got traded. Um, Hollywood Brown went from the Ravens to the Cardinals. So player trades aren't as common in, in the NFL, but I'm curious now that, you had those two big ones last year, if that would become uh more common, they're not going to trade Devin white though. Cause as you said before, Todd Bowles loves Devin white made tackles that he hasn't seen <laughs> been made in, in 30 years. Um, they both talk very highly of each other. Um, Devin white has spoken about how Todd Bowles has helped him and how he's been a big, almost like a second father figure in his life, always being w- uh, willing to help out and, and Todd Bowles shares the same sentiment about um, Devin White as well. I, I think it would be more likely that the Bucks would sign Devin White to an extension before they traded him to another team. So there is, never say never, but there is like barely, barely a little chance of this actually occurring. Uh, Thomas Foolery with a good comment as well. I like Devin White, but you can't pay an off-ball linebacker a $100 million contract, especially when you have to pay Anson Winfield and Tristan Wirfs. So that's the other side of it. And then also with trading Devin White this year, the Bucks have shown that they want to compete this year. They want to find out whether or not they want to pay yeah. Devin White. But if you trade Devin White, this year's linebacker draft class is not that good. So when you talk about a weak linebacker class, when you still have to address other positions like offensive tackle, Who's going to replace Devin White? There's not any more free agent names that could could help. The depth is really bad for the Bucs on inside linebacker. Sure, um, you could save money. You can get a a pretty good second-round pick. Uh, As Charlie Abraham says, if you could get a second pick for Devin White this year during the draft, that would be an elite GM move by Jason Light. Yeah, it's a really good pick, but you're gutting your team – this season when you just decided you're going to go all in or at least be competitive with the moves you've made this off season.
1: yeah and i think it's another element to it is levante david just signed back and it was only on a one-year deal but presumably yeah. levante david signed back to still play alongside devin white um so i don't know and i know levante is a professional if this for some reason went down i don't think there would be some big blow up or anything but you know, I, I think this is the linebacker duo you're looking at is Levante, David, Devin White. See what it looks like next year because it will be interesting. It is, you know, Levante again will be a free agent. Maybe he'll yeah. retire. We'll see what happens there. And then Devin, it's the it's decision time for the Bucks on Devin White. And the the interesting point of that somebody brought up was paying Winfield, paying Worfs. I know they were the draft class after him, yeah, uh, after Devin White, but it is. It's all coming up coming up around the same time. And if you were to ask, I think almost anyone of those three players, if you're going to lose one, who would it be? As much as there is with Devin White's speed and his potential, and you know what you want him to be, if you look at what the players have been on the field, it's Devin White that's going to be the odd man out because you have to pay, you know, Winfield, assuming that he continues his play, and then Tristan Wirfs is, you know, out of playing at a Hall of Fame level. So. It is. It's going to be interesting decision time for the Bucs uh, coming up this year. But, yeah, I don't think that's a trade that's going to go down anytime soon.
0: I don't think so either. Uh, the last play we'll, we'll talk about as we wrap up the show, another guy that it's more of taking the next step forward, and that is defensive tackle Logan Hall going into his second year. I just think it's more because of and We'll see who the Bucks draft. If they bring in uh, another defensive tackle, if Will Golston returns. But it seems like Logan Hall – by process of elimination, is he's going to have an even bigger role this season. And Logan, I think early on was solid for like the amount of playing time that he was getting. You know, he, he had some better pass rushing moves, than I think we all expected. And then kind of tailed off, got less playing time as the season went on. Are you concerned about him being like maybe the guy that is lining up next to Vita Vea if it's not Greg Gaines? Because I'm not too high on Logan Hall.
1: I wouldn't say I'm concerned. I'm, I guess, would lean closer to intrigued. I know he's got, to, he had to put on some weight. I don't know what the status is there, but he had to put on some weight and, you know, beef up a little bit uh, this offseason. And looking, like you said, looking at the state of the room, that's where it's headed. They're, they're seemingly giving him that opportunity to step in next to Vita Vea. And obviously they're high on him drafting him, you know, the first pick of the second round last year. And there was, there was some stuff to like, there wasn't, you know, a ton to see, especially, you know, down the second half of the season. But I think it was a, a key year for him to learn and, and maybe develop a little bit behind the scenes. Um, not what you always want to see with your second round pick. And you know, I think, yeah. you know, would love to see some immediate impact, but I think he's going to get a shot just like you said, like by process of elimination, there's not a lot of other options there unless they go early with another defensive lineman, which, you know, I wouldn't rule out, but I, I think there are a lot of ways that the Bucs could go early on. So we'll have to see.
0: Now, in defense of Logan Hall, defensive tackle, outside of like quarterback and defensive back, defensive tackle is one of the toughest adjustments for a college player going into the NFL, just by the sheer size of offensive linemen that he's going up against. But it's funny. We mentioned before, and I talked about that, no, I don't really care about how Joe Triancenka does in, in training camp. I don't care what Devin White is going to do in the preseason. For Logan Hall, I care about both of those things. <laughs> I want to see how Logan Hall looks. Has he really built his frame more? Did he put on more weight? How is he looking in one-on-one matchups? Does he feel comfortable lining up next to Vita Vea and Greg Gaines? Um, I'm definitely really intrigued for Logan Hall in training camp where I'm not with some of the other defenders on this team. This is a huge step up for Logan this year. I'm not sure if he's going to be able to answer the bell, but he does bring speed. He has some better pass rushing moves than I would say other prospects that uh, the Bucks were looking at at the time in last year's draft and even some guys in this year's draft. So while I'm not very high on him, I'm definitely open to just, Watching and learning and seeing if uh, if Logan Hall can prove me wrong.
1: What I'm what I'm really curious to see is I know it's only been what maybe two two and a half months since the Bucks last game since they last played. And I know a lot of guys will go on vacation; they'll start their training again a little bit after that. But when the Bucks get back together for you know mini camp, OTAs, you know, then and of course um, you know the mandatory mini camp, I'm curious to see what Logan Hall looks like. Curious to see if there is that. Yes. You know that little bit more size there that he needed to add um, in the offseason because it is. I think it's a big offseason season form, and as you mentioned, it, it's it's tough sometimes, and actually a lot of times for defensive tackles, especially, to jump right in. You know, I know you know Warren Sapp, Vita Vea, those guys have have not you know taken off year one. They've yes. developed, and and it's turned into something else. I'm not saying Logan Hall is going to be Warren Sapp. I'm not even going to say he's going to be Vita Vea. It's just it's an it's an adjustment period for that position. And it will be, it'll be one of the things, again, to follow throughout the offseason and, and their offseason training and then in the training camp to see if he really is ready for that bigger role. Because I know Todd Bowles said he'd, he'd like to see Akeem Hicks back. You know, there's potential for Will, will Golston yeah, to come good. back. I'm good on I'm
0: good on, I'm Hicks, good on Hicks, too, Hicks.
1: just yeah. for the record. Um, but I know Bowles mentioned Hicks recently. And I, Golston's another one who, if he comes back in, I, I don't want to take too much time on this, but if, if, Golston, if they sign Golston back, I think it would be a good security blanket for Logan Hall in that you give Logan Hall a chance and see if he's ready. If he's not, you've got Will Golston who I know dropped off a little bit last year, but has proven it probably still has a little bit left to offer. I think it's one of those patchwork kind of things this season until you get to next off season, you kind of re- revamp that interior a little bit more.
0: I love Will Golston, the person I'm also kind of ready to move on <laughs> from Will, from Will Golston as well, but I agree with you. It would be a great, Security blanket, um, insurance policy for for the Bucks. if Will Golston comes back. He's already been a mentor. I mean, Will Golston was the ultimate hype man for Logan Hall, who said he's faster than and stronger than J.J. Watt in his prime, which is one of the best compliments that you could give a, a draft prospect. He, he said it on this show. So I yeah. uh, do love Will Golston. I wouldn't hate if he was back. I just – I wouldn't rely on him a ton to, like – be yeah. the guy that he was uh, two seasons ago, but if uh, not
1: him, someone. I think there's got to be that that fallback option that can start and has started. Yes, if, if Hall's not ready,
0: uh, I'm with you there. Uh, a lot of fun stuff to watch and follow, as uh, you said a couple of minutes ago, Bailey. You also should be following all of our social media on Twitter instagram and facebook at peter report and please like and subscribe to our youtube channel at peter report tv we always put up different clips we have the podcast four times a week so a lot of great content for you to consume would appreciate it if you guys liked and subscribed it's absolutely free and just helps us with our numbers and let more people know about butereport.com but that's going to do it for us on tonight's show have a very fun episode tomorrow we are doing a live mock draft I want everybody in the chat to be as uh, communicative as possible we'll let uh, the fans vote on uh, who I should pick with every single round uh we'll make it as interactive as possible We did this last year. got a lot of great feedback. It was a lot of fun. So looking forward to doing it again uh, tomorrow night at 7 p.m. So until then, for BA, Bailey Adams, um, MGM, Matt Matera saying thanks, everybody, for watching. We'll see you tomorrow night for another edition of the Peter Report Podcast. Happy MJF Day. Out.